Hi, my name is Nick Craig, and this is a Leading for Purpose podcast. I have Alicia with me today. Alicia is one of these amazing people who I met when I was working at ING, and he is the head of ING Bank in Italy. So, Alicia, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Nick. So, uh, I would love to get a sense of what your purpose is. Um, uh, first of all, delighted to be here and delighted also for your very kind words. Uh, my purpose is I'm, uh, I'm the fighting philosopher who wins hearts and minds. And uh, it's, a, it's a purpose that I've uh, obviously developed over the years and has somewhat blossomed in its clarity a few years ago. It's still my beacon. So what do those words mean? Because I would say, having worked with a lot of people over the years, I don't think I've ever heard that a particular purpose statement before. But it is a. It, when I heard it, I was like, ooh, I want to know more about this. So, Alicia, what do those words mean to you? Let's start from the fighting philosopher and how those two elements are combined. The fighting is a, is a trait of my, my personality, meaning I never give up. I had um, some personal challenges when I was uh, uh, young. My mother died early. We had financial difficulties. Um, my father also died when I was just uh, about to finish my university. So I had a degree of adversity, which uh, I hope I wouldn't have had it, but it, it sort of reacted with fighting. Hmm. The other element is uh, I always enjoyed learning and understanding and uh, this is the philosopher in, in me. It's also at some point in my life, uh, I was even uh, considering studying philosophy. Because I always try to understand why. The, the key question that was and is still with me uh, during my life is the question of why. Understanding why certain things develop in a certain way, why certain things happen, why certain others don't happen, why certain people behave in a certain manner or not. So the combination of... Uh, uh, fighting adversity and trying to better myself with uh, understanding uh, the environment, uh, what was going on, is somewhat into this component of the fighting philosopher. Then winning arts and minds that is something that came later in my life. At some point, uh, I overcome this burden that I had of my childhood uh, and uh, and puberty, where I, I had a number of challenges to face, and uh, I open up. Uh, I open up without realizing that uh, life is not just uh, about fighting, mm. but it's also about uh, a, a journey to share with others. And it started with uh, with uh, my wife, uh, my children, and the people around me. Yeah. And that is the winning hearts and minds. And actually, if I look at from the chronological perspective, I should say winning minds and hearts, because the first part of, of myself that I developed is the rational part in trying to win in minds mm. of people around me with rational arguments. And really, the late, later development in the last 10 years of my life is the, the winning hearts, realizing the importance of caring about people. This is something definitely I learned from my, my wife and children and uh, the amazing experience that they've been giving me over the last 10 years. What was really amazing for me is when I first met you, the job you had was at ING was head of audit. 
And I told you, nobody's perfect, right? Yeah, well, you know, but the point was, is that, you know, when you have this image, you, you know, we all have images of who people are and who people yeah, are going to be based on our titles, right? You know, when I when I heard that, when we discovered that purpose that is yours, I looked at your title, I was like, okay, this is an interesting man. You know, you do not fit in any box by any means. In some sense, it's one of the beautiful values of purpose is it takes us out of our roles and our titles and it becomes, in some sense, the deeper sense of who we are. And we happen to have those things, but they're not who we are, right? So I, I just always loved as we talked about what this words meant and then looking at this. Now, obviously, running Italy is uh, for a bank is slightly different than being head of audit. But, you know, when you think about this beautiful purpose, how do you feel that it has impacted how you have led Historically, we will deal with the current reality here in a couple of minutes. But as we, you know, you, you've grown up, you've been leading, you've been doing stuff. So you've had choices to make as to how you did things and whether you did it like everybody else or not. Maybe a couple of elements. If you think about a concept like the fighting philosopher, maybe someone that is trying to take on any challenge, learn from it and move from, to the other one. Okay. An element of myself in this fighting philosopher that is uh, adaptability. You can approach, understand what is around you and do the best to achieve what you want to achieve. The example I can give you is I lived also in four countries. That requires a degree of uh, adaptation that uh, before moving to those countries, I didn't expect and then I had to face. So the, the first element so in the fighting philosopher is that uh, leading, uh, it's about authenticity. You need to adapt to the context where you are and understand people around you and uh, understand what is the mm-hmm. goal, objective, purpose with the people around you you want to achieve. If it's uh, that's audit, is fine. If a CEO of a business is fine. The principle is you, you want to lead with authenticity and achieve uh, um a common purpose for yourself or for your people. So from that perspective, that is one key aspect. In that leadership aspect, that winning hearts and minds, the, the, the principle behind is I care. I cared when I was the head of audit for my customers, and in case that they were internal customers, I want them to succeed. Uh, now I have much more an opportunity to care for my external customer, for the customer of ING in Italy. Uh, the, the, the principle is the same. I still want them to succeed. And clearly the needs of a customer of a bank are very different from the needs of a customer of an internal audit. Mm-hmm. You still spend time understanding those customers, understanding what they need and caring and doing your best to satisfy their needs. You know, when you were head of audit, ING faced a number of big challenges. And how do you think you brought your purpose to that? I think it's, it's interesting because maybe for some of the people that may listen to this podcast, ING had a, a couple of major challenges with anti-money laundering practices. Yep. It's not uncommon in big banks and it's a difficult, or matter of legislation is quite difficult to make a difference and do it properly. Let me, in this context, answer your question. It is still very much uh, the same purpose alive. First of all, the major challenge, and then the fighter is not going to give up or throw the towel at it. Mm. Second, the philosopher, understanding the extent of the challenge, what are 
root causes and generated that challenge and what is it you need to do to resolve the challenge. And then goes back at caring and winning both hearts and minds. Arts or people that felt uh, diminished, uh, somewhat marked by the, uh, some of the very public events were associated to ING. Also minds, beyond the, the emotional impact, uh, helping people to understand how to take the, the necessary steps in the right priority to get out of the tunnel. So the application, the principle, uh, the application of purpose was uh, quite direct in my previous job. Not always easy, but uh, it really helped me in trying to do the right thing. Where was an example of where you had to make a choice between doing the right thing based on your purpose or doing what would have been the thing that would others would have been obviously said, well, yeah, that would have been fine as well, but it would not have been true to yourself. There was a specific moment in a board meeting where I need to share a view based on uh, on some of the work I had done, which was um, very different for the perception of the other people in the room. Hmm. And uh, it was a very difficult moment because um, without going into details, the people around the room, on one side, they thought that I, oh, I was looking for some form of um, headwinds Okay. To be somewhat visible, I don't know. I mean, this this is uh, really worried me. And the other side was uh, another set of people that clearly didn't uh, want to hear or didn't want to believe uh, some of the facts that I was playing and I was sharing with them. Not only very lonely, but I felt, and I'm going back to the fighting philosopher, I felt that I was struggling to win in that uh, around that table hearts and minds. At the same time, I I was trying to understand why and uh, understanding whether I was losing perspective because I I thought I was fighting something and and maybe I was entrenched in something that that indeed was, I don't know, the classic storm and the teacup. Uh, In retrospect, I'm delighted that I took that position because the moment that other events showed that that position was right. It was extremely easy to win hearts and minds. And now being part of the solution, having the opportunity to influence a set of actions, then are helping now uh, and have helped over the last few years to improve the situation dramatically. So it was that moment where I said, okay, on one side, I'm not going to give up. So I'm not going to feel intimidated because I'm the put one out with my views. On the other side, I didn't lose the philosopher's side of understanding whether what I said and what I wanted to say made sufficient sense and was sufficiently based on reasons and facts. The moment that, uh, how can I say, additional facts help uh, to frame the message and to support the message I was giving, allow me to be much more helpful in being part of setting the solution than now are being implemented. So in some ways, this is one of the things I've seen with purpose is that it gives us a deeper sense of courage and clarity as to those moments when it is time to become the author. In some ways, it's to do the hard right over the easy wrong and to go for the full truth when the half truth could be easily won. And it's a very hard moment that you just described where I think that's exactly what you were doing without knowing that the outcome was going to turn out as positively as it did for you 
in the as a context of this, but you were doing it in that moment. Now, if we in retrospect, we can see that by doing that in that moment, it created the trust for what needed to be done next when other data came available and people realized that what you were saying was absolutely correct. But you didn't know that when you were saying it. No. Uh, you see, uh, this is the point of, um, you call it living your purpose. I uh, Occasionally it becomes, do I feel comfortable looking at myself in the mirror? And uh, at the end of the day, I had a number of, uh, of challenges in life, but I've been lucky. And in most cases, I can say I did the right thing. I cocked up a number of times, uh, Nick, but always with the idea of trying to do the right thing in the moment. Mm. And uh, and that is something that I'm I'm really proud. I made wrong decisions, but never for the wrong reason at the moment. I didn't know how to this would have pan out, but the confidence came from what I knew, and I spent enough time to understand. I thought that taking that position was the right thing. On one side, I've been lucky personally. On the other side, probably my employer would have been better off if I'd been wrong. But uh, at the end of the day. The fact that uh, I was trying to do the right thing and, and never with the, me as the center. Right. What I was trying to do, it was always remember a conversation I had about focusing on your clients and winning hearts and minds. You don't do it because you want to be the center of attention. And that, that I think, was perceived as an important element by my organization that obviously kept me on over the years and, uh, and, uh, and gave me an opportunity to enjoy it in a different role. Okay. Beautiful story. Thank you. So let's switch gears. You're now in charge of Italy for ING. You're now what we call a country manager. It's a very, very, very different job yeah. than being a head of internal audit. I mean, that's like sort of such a different role. It's like it's almost like it's hard to imagine that the same person could be doing both of these, yes? What was, was the date that you started? Uh, the 2nd of December. So it's almost my, it's, it's basically now my anniversary. Okay, well, happy anniversary almost. It's one or two days away. So you start in December, and it looks like normal, normal, right? There's challenges, there's business stuff. And then Italy becomes the epicenter of the coronavirus, and Milan, which is where you are, becomes the epicenter within Italy of the first wave of coronavirus. Obviously, we're sitting now in a time where uh, we here in the United States have numbers that are incredibly humbling and at the time we was we were watching on the news it truly felt like part of the world that you were in was coming apart and so let's talk about how then did your purpose show up so first first of all so i'm literally indeed less than three months into my new job where i'm already going through what traditionally you call a very steep learning curve of adaptation uh, yes, I'm originally Italian, but I've uh, been away for 22 years So uh, and just came back to Italy. So relocation, family, everything. And then pandemic, which at that point was not even pandemic, it was very localized. The COVID-19 hit us. And uh, I tell you, so first of all, there were, as you said, there was no playbook. So nobody knew what COVID-19 was and how dramatically impacting on uh, on society, people, and then economy would have been. Mm-hmm. And indeed, we, we are roughly a thousand of us, uh, colleagues in, in Italy, uh, most of them based in Milan, which was the epicenter, as you just said, of the pandemic. 
First of all, I tell you, I'm very grateful that they did, and that was luck, good judgment. You you will be able to make up your mind. The first thing I did is working on two fronts on people when I arrived. One was all colleagues. Literally for three days, I met the vast majority of 900 people. Hmm. This stay. is in December when you arrived. Yeah. Okay. And but this emotional connection is this, I'll find out that it, I will find out three months later it was a, such a great thing to do. And the second element between the end of December, beginning of, of, of January, had a number of sessions. I will call it purpose sessions. Uh, the sessions that you and I have done together with my management team. Okay. told them my purpose, I told them about my life history, I told them my, the, the difficult things I had to overcome and the things I've been lucky, and we bonded. Mm. Why it was so important? Because the moment of the crisis, when it hit us, nobody knew what was the right response. First, very quickly, in a very difficult scenario, we set up, let's call it a temporary purpose, you would hate it, but at least a priority. What was the most important thing they wanted to achieve? And together, very quickly, we converged on safety of our people. Second, safety and support of clients. But first, safety of our people. We actually really were scared. And the second element, we worked together as a management team on a number of quick decisions we had to make. It's working together. There was no superstar. Was a colleague that uh, our, my, my colleague was CEO and understood better technology aspects. He did certain things. Each of us contributed in a set of, of solutions uh, quickly to achieve the purpose of keeping our colleagues safe. In literally two weeks, we managed to get vast majority of our colleagues working safely from home. So we didn't want them to take to come to the office. No, no, not because of. Uh, uh, actually, the main concern were public, was public transport. And uh, at the same time, we wanted to make our colleagues feel safe, make our colleagues feeling that we care for them. So over the, the months, we, we came with so many initiatives from uh, extending the medical insurance uh, to cover uh, COVID-19 to um, uh, hotlines for support for people in financial difficulty and psychological difficulty. Uh, we set up so many initiatives. We were giving yoga, we're still actually giving yoga lessons online. Oh, great. So it was so, so much we tried to do to try to keep our colleagues uh, safe. Credible situation where the whole country, specifically the northern part of the countries, got in. And because we worked already to build this emotional connection that, that I was telling you from the very beginning, people were very open. And when we offer help, they took it. And then also they showed a degree of adaptability. It was amazing, not even short. It was absolutely amazing. Going back to your point, my purpose. First, the fighting. Hey, there's an adversity. Here we are. We don't panic. We don't go crazy. We're worried. We're scared, actually. But we're going to go through Philosopher is trying to understand exactly. So, okay, we don't know whether this is going to be a week or unfortunately is, is a year. What is the priority? Safety of people. And then uh, you go and touch those hearts and, and minds and, uh, and give them support that allows you to, to keep the, the company alive. But at the same time, more importantly, you keep people safe. And that is the way it worked. You know the amazing thing out of it? 
is that uh, I think you're fam familiar with uh, with uh, the concept of net promoter score, right. NPS. Since March uh, to end of September, our net promoter score, so the, the degree of, uh, of like and recommendations that we get from our customers increased dramatically. We increased by, I think it's 13, 14 points, and we become the second best bank in Italy. At the same time, the level of complaints reduced, and uh, despite the virus and the slowdown of the economy, we are slightly ahead of target on all the financials for the year. So if you were to look at my financial results, you probably wouldn't think that this is it. This is probably the most difficult year we could have faced. Hmm. It's powerful. It's interesting if you think about where would you be if we had just had the normal world and no coronavirus? Do you think you'd have as strong of a connection with the people that work for you in the same way? Look, I, I'm going to answer this question, but it's, it troubles me because uh, any sense I may give you or anybody else, the pandemic helped me is uh, maybe true, but, but morally I think it's so bad for me to conceive. So COVID is a, is a tragedy. Uh, it's full stop. It's a, it's a, a, so many people died. So many people lost their jobs. There's no discussion. So I'm, I'm not prepared to entertain COVID-19 or pandemic as something that has been helpful. However, clearly created the circumstances where what I was trying to do in terms of bonding, engaging uh, with my colleagues has been more effective. Let me try to use this terminology is a bit, uh, a bit arid. You understand my... No, I understand your frustration and the challenges. At the same time, if I'd said to you back in February, we're going to do an experiment in Italy. We're going to make everybody work from home and everybody's going to have all their meetings electronically. And you need to increase your net promoter scores by at least 10%. You need to make your numbers and customers need to be ecstatic as well as employees. What would you have said to me? I would use a four-letter word that it, both in English and American is quite brute. Exactly. It's go, you know, exactly yourself. Right. So what's funny is, is that with every condition against you, you have people preoccupied, especially early in the COVID, which is nobody really understood what was going on and why, and shutting down only parts of the country. And it was just lots of confusion. You then have everyone working from home, even if they're safe, but then they're isolated and they're dealing with their family and their kids and all the things that go along with that. And in the meantime, you've actually got people more feeling connected and more engaged than they were before. That's pretty good. It, it is. So I should be blowing, what's the term? I shouldn't be blowing my own trumpet. I'm proud of, of what we have achieved together with, uh, in Italy. Still a long journey, but uh, uh, it's, really, it's really, really good. But I'm, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say. What, what's your I, advice? So listen, not everybody in every other company is experiencing exactly this, right? So the question is, is the question I have for you is, is so for everyone listening. So what is it you think is it that really is the key to what has helped you do this? Now, obviously, your purpose is part of that. Now, we're not denying that. And in some states, the gift of your purpose is it allows you to see things that others can't see and to take actions in different ways, which is obviously what happened. But I'm just thinking about how can you think about what is it that you believe you have done here that has been so helpful? 
I have a strange answer. It's a strange answer that came from someone else. I was talking about what we've done in Italy this year. My original answer to your question would be, look, is the determination is, the, is not prepared to give up against any type, of, any type of, of challenge. And when I started giving that answer, the guy said to me, no, Alessio, you don't get it. And I thought, look, how do you know? So said, I hear you talking. And I hear the passion you have for your colleagues, your customers. What made the difference is love. Uh, you run a business, I run a business. And uh, you and I, right now, we're talking about love. Mm. And, uh, and you may think I'm completely crazy. Occasionally, I do think I'm a bit crazy. It's the point is, I think if, you, if, if, I, if I want to use something a bit less uh, polarizing, uh, I cared. Mm. I deeply cared. If a customer contacts me and uh, he or she is in trouble, whether it's LinkedIn, whether they find me elsewhere, I act immediately to see what I can do to help. And it's not because I, I have a, a major, uh, can I say, playbook of a management instruction that tells me this is the right thing to do. It's just because I care. That customer is my customer. That colleague is my colleague. It's part of my team. It's part of me. And I care. And that is, do I get it always right? Shit, no. Do I manage to reach out to everybody? Absolutely not. It's not part of a written strategy. It's part of what I feel inside is important. In most difficult circumstances, despite my uh, shortcomings and whatever else, my colleagues saw that I cared. So here's the thing, Alessio. I believe what your purpose brings to the world, because I think we each have a unique gift we bring in yours we're talking about right now. You know, I feel like at some basic level, you are able to help people really experience how much you do love them and that they do really matter and it's important. And my sense of what I experienced as we've talked over the last six months is that I think what you've done for the bank and the people that have worked for you is you've turned it from a job into something that they love. You've humanized, personalized created a deeper connection for people as to why this is the place they want to be at a time when it mattered most. I think if we look at all of our careers and all the things that we've done, most of the things that we've done prior to the moments that we're currently in will be things that people will not remember, but they will remember what we have done in this period of time more so than any. And I think that you were perfectly designed based on your purpose for this challenge, independent of how awful it is or may still be, right? I mean, both of those we don't know. I think you're having the courage to put the word love on the table is a perfect example of the gift to who you are, which is that once you put it there, you can't take it away. And, you know, even better that you're, quote unquote, a banker guy, because, you know, banker guys aren't supposed to do stuff like that, even better, because it even makes it more real, right? Because there's a true choice required. If you were in the fragrance business, Love would be an easy word for you to use because it'd be like, you know, you sell perfume or whatever the case may be, right? But no, you work for a Dutch bank. So the fact that you then say it means that it really must be what you believe. It's not that you're doing somebody, it's not some script that you have. So I just want to thank you for doing that. Any final words to the people that might be listening for what you would like to share with them around what your journey's been about? One reference is something that I know you've been working 
for many, many years. And is the, is the concept of, of authenticity, mm. which is the concept you've been referring to. And then what I want to say is that it took me many, many, many years to find uh, who I am first mm. and then have the courage to be myself. It is a, an amazingly challenging journey, but it's so the level of happiness and, and balance and the freedom that I've experienced when I reach situation in my life where I can be myself is fantastic. So I hope and I wish everybody that can go through that journey and get uh, the same happiness that I, I got. Hmm. Well, with that, I think I'd like to bring our podcast to a close. Alicia, I want to thank you so much for being being as opposed to doing, but really being here in this conversation and sharing yourself. I welcome all of you listening to just step back for a minute after this and just think about what part of you does this help connect you to and hopefully take some actions that are as a result of that that are very much aligned with my beautiful friend Alessio and his purpose of being the fighting a philosopher for hearts and minds. So thank you. Thank you, everybody.